This week's show is brought to you by MidwestMastermind.com. A one-day mastermind event being held on August 15th, the Midwest Mastermind will help entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and entrepreneurs alike experience firsthand the power of a real mastermind session. Every attendee will spend time in the hot seat where your biggest business challenges will be broken down and turned into actionable steps that will move you closer to your business goals. Don't miss out on your chance to join a limited number of attendees looking to find clarity, get focused, and grow their businesses online. Go to MidwestMastermind.com and reserve your spot today. That's one of the main things that I've been able to pick up out of interviewing experts is it all comes back to developing your personal brand and who you are and what you have to offer. We're answering interview questions today. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, everybody. Ryan Roten here, and this is the Brand New You Podcast, where we explore how to use personal branding and social media to impact your career. No need to look any further. You found the podcast dedicated to helping you create a brand new you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Brand New You Show. I'm your host, Ryan, and today we welcome to the show Davon Goddard, author and podcaster at SecretsOfTheHire.com. SecretsOfTheHire.com is dedicated to providing insights and information to help recent graduates stand out during an interview, even when they are competing with someone who may be more qualified. In his book, How to Answer the 25 Toughest Job Interview Questions, Davon shares his insights on how to answer the questions, how not to answer the questions, and exactly what your interviewer is looking to hear from you. He even provides sample answers to each and every question that can be used by new and experienced job candidates alike. Davon, I'm looking forward to our discussion about the hardest part of the interview process, which is answering the actual interview questions themselves. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. It's really, really great to be here. I really appreciate you for having me on. I'm really looking forward to you know sharing some value with your audience, so I'm excited to be here, definitely. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here, too. I came across your podcast as I was searching through for careers, and you've had a lot of really great guests on there. And as soon as I came across your podcast, I knew I had to have you on. So I'm looking forward to talking about, like I said, some of the things that people don't really talk about, which is how do you answer questions? Because let's face it, that's what an interview is all about. And if you don't know how, you're probably not going to do very well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But before we get into any interview questions or the rest of the podcast, I do have one question I like to ask all my guests before we get started. And if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? <laughs> well, since I'll be going back for the rest of my vacation days, for me, I guess it has to be somewhere I've been before, you know, ideally. And, you know, I'm glad I actually had the chance to travel out the country. Otherwise, I feel bad about this question. <laughs> and that would be Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was truly amazing. I had the opportunity to go there my junior year of college. It was the first semester. Yeah, I had a chance to study abroad and I went to Safet University to take some advanced level accounting courses and marketing courses. Man, the experience was amazing. And we probably had class like two days out the week. So the rest were just enjoying Brazil life. So <laughs> definitely Brazil. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So if you were going to take a book with you on your trip, which book are you reading now or which book would you take with you? Mm, OK, well, honestly, I'm actually not a big reader. I'm more of an audio book guy more than okay. anything. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, because I kind of like the multitask. You know, I like to listen to a book while sure. I work. But of course, I have read books. And if I had to bring one with me, 
I'm not sure if you read this, Ryan, but it's called The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. I've not heard of that one. Oh, man, I need you to go get it as soon as we get off. Now, it's a very short book, probably a little over 40 pages, you know, short and sweet, just how I like it. And in this book, Earl pretty much talks about how to program your mind and get what you want out of life. And the audio is actually on YouTube. So I really encourage your audience to go listen to it. And I'll guarantee you, Ryan, once they listen to the audio, they're probably going to go want to buy the book. They're probably going to go to Amazon and go pick it up, you know, just because it's a book that it really shifts your way of thinking, you know, about life and getting what you want out of life. And they also have a 30 day challenge in the book that your audience can take. And if they really take it serious, it can really alter their mind and help get what they desire in life. And as mentioned, I'll bring this book simply because it's short and sweet and it's applicable. You know, I look for things that I can instantly read and really take action on. So it's truly an amazing book, and I really, really encourage you and your audience to read it. Definitely. Okay, and it's The Strangest Secret. Yep, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. And it's very short, probably like 40 pages or so. And the audio is also, I think, around 45 minutes, something like that. But okay, I love it. I love it. Okay. Awesome. Well, it's written down. I will be picking that up maybe right after we're done here today. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Okay. So I want to play a little game, if you will. Pick one. Tell me why. I'm going to give you two choices. And I just want you to tell me which one you would like better and the reasons behind it. Okay. All right. So if you were going to get a phone call from an office on your college campus, would you rather get a phone call from the student financial services or the student support services? <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to say the student financial services because I have some bad experiences with them. And <laughs> it all ties into the Soul Scholarship Foundation, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. So it'll have to be the student support services, you know, okay. mainly because I was actually held an office position in the student support services program. And I just know that their attentions are always good and they're always looking to help their students and really take part in the students' lives. And that's ultimately what my brand is about. So definitely student support services. Which profession would you rather have? An accountant or a logistics specialist? <laughs> oh, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> well, I'll have to say logistics. Well, for those guys who don't know, you know, I graduated with an accounting degree and I worked accounting. I actually worked for the Empire State Building as an accounts payable coordinator. So I got to experience the accounting side And, you know, accounting is accounting, but it's quite not my thing. And I actually currently work as a logistics specialist for the Department of Defense, you know, really doing more meaningful work. And so definitely logistics over accounting. Okay, no problem. Let's go ahead and get into that. I mean, you went to school, you got an accounting degree, but now, as you just said, you're the logistics specialist with the Department of Defense. How does that work translate? How did you go from accounting to logistics? It was completely random. I just can remember I graduated, thought I wanted to work accounting. I majored in it. I'm like, okay, this is why I really want to do this. And I actually got into it. So I'm into it probably like the first two or three months. I was like, yeah, this sucks. Like, I, I hate these numbers. I hate these financial statements. I just hate it. <laughs> but you went to school for accounting. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing about it. You know, and that's why I really caution students to really study and really research and really dig deep on what it is that you exactly want to do because you don't want to make the same mistake I did. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a mistake, but in you know, professionally it was because I spent four years pretty much earning a degree that I'm not utilizing. So for accounting, I just can remember one day I was just sitting at my desk and I was like, okay, I'm just doing this work. I'm impacting no one's life. I'm not doing anything that's really helping society, you know, helping the next person. So it was completely random. I was doing some job searches on USA Jobs and I came across the logistics position and I saw that 
in this position, you know, I'll actually be helping the warfighter out there. Those are who are at war. I'll actually be providing all of the assets they need in order to complete the mission. And I was like, well, this is the type of work I want to be doing. You know, work in, that involves actually helping your fellow man and actually doing something more than just for a paycheck. So that's how the whole transition work pretty much from the accounting to logistics side. I wouldn't feel bad if I were you about going to school for four years and not using your degree. I also went to school and my degree is in aeronautical engineering technology. So (laughs) I am a licensed pilot and mechanic and I have done neither since I got out of school. So (laughs) nice, nice. (laughs) You know, I think college prepared me for life, you know, and what I would expect to see in life. But as far as the degree itself, I am in a similar boat like you. I am absolutely not doing what I went to school for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I'll never take away from the college experience. You know, I know it is a cliche, but it absolutely was the best four years of my life. And speaking of certifying, you said you were certified. I'm actually a certified commodities broker. Oh, wow. I'm not sure why. It was just something during college I wanted to do. I wanted to study and take the exam just to set myself apart from other candidates. It's just me being me. (laughs) I honestly don't know. And it sounds kind of interesting. Can you just take me through like what's a day in the life of a logistics specialist? What's like one of the cool things that you get to do? Well, the cool things, I'm a logistics specialist for the Apache helicopter, UH-60, you know, actually, yeah, the helicopter that went into Afghanistan for the whole mission when it came to Osama. So I the manager for that helicopter. So I manage around 60 parts. So I make sure we have enough supply availability. I make sure those parts are maintained and I make sure those parts are transported to the warfighter whenever they do need them. So that's pretty much my job in a nutshell. So I have a ton of items. I have to make sure that Like I said, we have enough supply on hand, you know, and make sure I'm fulfilling the requisitions of the soldiers that need these out in the field. So ultimately, my job, it impacts the soldier, you know, because if I'm not in my shoes and I'm not doing my job, you know, that soldier can't complete this mission. And therefore, if the soldier can't complete his mission, then they can't protect those of the United States, the civilians out there. So it's definitely an important job. So interesting little connection between the two of us then is you don't happen to manage the actual seats that go in the helicopter. Do you? you know what? I actually do have the troop seats. Are you kidding? Yeah, I do. That's one of my items. <laughs> because I used to work at a company. It doesn't exist anymore. It's actually been bought out by another larger company. But one of my first jobs out of school, I made helicopter seats for the Apache helicopter. Wow. When I lived in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. So look at that. Wow. Connection. So you guys, that's insane. (laughs) It was really cool. All right. So while you're doing what you've called your dream job as a logistics specialist now for the Department of Defense, you're working during the day and you come home at night and you go, you know, I just have to have something else to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So you decided to continue what you did when you moved into logistics and continue to help your fellow man. And you've created a website called secretsofthehire.com. And so I'm curious, how did the website come to be? What kind of spurred your thought to say, you know what, I think I want to create a website and share my knowledge with others? Oh, yeah, sure. So Secrets of the Hire, really quick, it focuses on professional and career development for college students and recent graduates and entry-level job candidates. And we do this through resume consulting, job interview consulting, career advice, LinkedIn training. And we also have our scholarship portion, which we'll talk about that. And so the idea really came from my own frustrations during my initial job search. You know, I can remember back in college, applying for internships, applying for jobs and things like that. 
I would apply to a few internships and I would either get no response or I'll even have the job interview and then I just never hear anything back. And the same thing with me applying for jobs during my senior year. I kid you not, Ryan, I probably applied for over 200 jobs and I heard nothing back. And, you know, it's not like I'm applying for CEO positions and things like that. I was like, okay, these are entry level positions. I'm very well qualified for them. And I'm not getting anything back. So, you know, one day I just said, screw it. I'm not graduating without a job offer after college. So what I started doing, I started actually cold calling staffing agencies and reaching out to random career coaches. You know, um, I actually got the phone hung up on me a few times. But, you know, I would simply tell them like, hey, you know, I'm having trouble with this interview. I'm having trouble with my resume. I'm sending in. I'm not getting a response. And so... Eventually, I got help from a few career coaches. And, you know, after a few months with some resume help and job interview help, I was able to land my first job after college, my first job before the accounting job. It was actually a consulting firm on Wall Street. But long story short, after a few job hopping for a few months after that, I ended up landing a job within the federal government, uh, my logistics position as a recent graduate. And I was told that I beat over 8000 candidates for that job offer. And I was the only one who never worked government and never had prior military experience. And for those of you who probably applied through USA Jobs, you know that they give preference to those who are prior military and things like that. So it was really tough for someone, you know, with none of that to get in. And, you know, eventually I started getting a ton of phone calls from my peers. And they just when I got the job and they started asking me, hey, how'd you do it? You know, before you know, I started writing posts on it. I started helping a ton of people. And then I was like, well, I stopped with just helping the people I know, you know, get jobs. Why not spread that knowledge all throughout? So, you know, I just started the blog. I started the podcast and, you know, just went from there and just it just started growing. Give me one of the main reasons why you think that recent college graduates are not getting the jobs that they're applying for. It's because they don't know the secrets of the hired, so to speak. You know, <laughs> okay, it's because yeah. I can go from my own experience and go from the, you know, those I talk to. I think that most recent graduates, they don't utilize the resources that's out to them. You know, they don't take the time to visit their career center. They don't take the time to join organizations on their college campus. Not only join those organizations, but also take leadership roles in those organizations because that's what employers want nowadays. They want people who are going to go above and beyond and do what it takes in order to get the job done. Those students are not going out, like I said, and getting those internships and getting that real world experience. And I found that they're not doing these things. So when they're applying for these jobs, they're not getting anything back. And it's because they're just not competitive enough. Ultimately, that's what my brand really focuses on. You know, it's more than the job search. It's more than the resumes, more than the job interview. You know, it's just about preparing you professionally for the professional world, so to speak. And I just feel like a lot of students, they're not really doing those things. You know, they're not really setting themselves up while they're in college in order to prepare themselves for getting a career that they love out of college. And those are just a couple of things that they're not doing in order to get the job they desire. Speaking of going above and beyond, not only did you launch the website, you also decided to launch the podcast, which we've talked about now a couple of different times. I think you've done 20 plus shows now. What are a couple of key takeaways that you have learned from the guests that you've interviewed on your show? Okay, well, I'm going back on the podcast. I'm just going to talk about structure really quick. So pretty much I'll bring on a career coach, branding expert such as yourself, Ryan, 
and more than anything, I'll bring on HR people, you know, people who are hiring recent graduates every single day. So I bring them on the show and the show is really about unlocking the secrets of the hire, becoming a better job seeker and finding the career you love. So we're picking the brains of those who actually hire people every single day. They're sitting there telling you exactly what they're looking for in their candidates. And the questions that I do ask those HR professionals are the questions that I get from the audience myself. So we're simply picking the brains of those who hire people every single day, as I mentioned. And what I found that when doing the show, very two strong things that I found that's really going to help you not only on your job search, but becoming a better professional just in general. And the first one is developing a strong personal brand online and offline. What do you want others to recognize you for? You know, so if I'm doing a Google search and I'm trying to figure out, okay, who's this Ryan Roten guy? You know, if I search for you on Google and I find you, whichever web page I decide to click on within those top 10 results should instantly tell me what you can do for me. What do you represent? What do you value? And what does your brand speak? You know, same thing if I'm searching for you on any social media channels. And, you know, that's for the online part. And for the offline part, let's say when you're introduced to someone for the first time, you know, at a conference or just walking down the street, you know, they should be able to know within the first few minutes who you are, what you do and what you have to offer. So if I'm meeting someone and they ask me what I do, you know, say, hey, I'm Devon Goddard, founder of Secrets of the Hire. We focus on professional career development for college students, recent graduates through job interview consulting, resume consulting and LinkedIn training. You know, that gives you a brief synopsis of who I am and what my personal brand stands for and what I value. And then the conversation goes from there. You know, I feel like that's one of the main things that I've been able to pick up out of interviewing 20 plus so experts on this topic is the importance of developing that strong personal brand online and offline. I feel as though that so far when it comes to the secrets of the higher, I feel like that has been the main key thus far. And this shows throughout each and every episode. It all comes back to that. It all comes back to developing your personal brand and who you are and what you have to offer. So much of our first impressions these days are made online. And before we ever get a chance to meet somebody. Do you hear from the HR people that you talk to that they're actually out, you know, going into Google and typing in your name and looking for someone specifically? <laughs> oh, they're out, right? And they're out. You know, that's, I speak to a lot of these professionals offline as well. You know, we meet up and we, and we talk about the entire process. And I've had career coaches who told me, well, HR professionals who told me that you know, before they even look at your resume, before they even see if you're even qualified, what you're about, do you have the qualifications, the skills it takes to be successful in this job? The first thing they do is Google search. They do a Google search. They look at your LinkedIn profile if you have one, which you should have one. And they see exactly where you're about, what you stand for and how you present yourself online, you know, and that's going to segue into, OK, if you do check off, then they'll look at your resume and see, you know, because Ultimately, if someone's looking you up first, even before they're seeing your qualifications, you know, that should tell you alone that developing your online brand is perhaps the most important part of the job search process. It's so interesting how much the, the job search process has changed over the last, you know, four or five years. People look at technology and they go, yeah, we're able to do a lot more with a lot less. And it's, you know, it has these benefits over here. But everybody also forgets that it also impacts other areas that they don't think about, such as the job search process. 
Yep. Yeah, totally agree. Another thing that you've done with secretsforthehire.com, and again, getting back to how you're going above and beyond again by setting up the Secrets of the Hire Scholarship Foundation. I think what you're doing is super cool. And can you take a few minutes and explain to the listeners, what is the Secrets of the Hire Scholarship Foundation and how did you get it started? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, Ryan. So, you know, my initial thought was like, okay, since I'm serving the college students, a recent graduate audience, you know, why stop with just job interview tips and things like that? You know, let's take it to another level. Let's help them financially. So the Soul Scholarship Foundation is just a subset of the Secrets of the Hire or the So SOH brand. I actually put out the very first Soul Scholarship and it was completely crowdfunded. I set out for $500. I was like, you know, let's set out for $500 and let's see who supports and I actually raised over 700 in just a few weeks, which was amazing to me that people was, you know, actually willing to help the pretty much the future of our nation, simply put, financially. And we've actually received thousands of applications. So, you know, I have a couple of people working with me on the foundation. So we're going to be busy for the next few weeks because we're going to award that within the next two months or so. But the way it got started, actually, during my freshman year of college, I actually almost got kicked out of college because I didn't have the finances to continue. So it was my second semester, you know, I was just finishing up the year and I was called to the financial aid office. They told me that I wouldn't have enough finances to come back the next year. So after I left, I went back to my dorm and I, you know, I was just depressed. Now, here I am about to finish up my first year, loving the experience. And they're telling me that I can't come back. So I received a call from the student support services. That's why I chose student support services earlier. <laughs> and I know you dug that up, which is great, right? <laughs> so yeah, that was a leading question. I want to be honest. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So they gave me a call and they said, okay, we heard about the situation, this and that. And, you know, just because the relationship I built with them and I was a part of the organization and I took a very active role in the student support services program, they said, okay, we found some scholarship money out there for you. I believe it was like seven grand. And, it was like, now you'll be able to continue your education. And, you know, here I am about to get kicked out. But from the support of this organization I was a part of, you know, I'm instantly back in. So that's why I really encourage students to take part in these organizations, because I'm telling you, you never know who's there and they're always willing to help you. And so just really quick for the future of the Soul Scholarship Foundation, you know, eventually we do want to have a full ride scholarship and we do want to build a school in Africa through pencils of promise and things like that. You know, that's some of the things I'm looking forward to doing with the scholarship foundation itself. Yeah, that's really cool. And I'll give you a chance to kind of brag about it towards the end. But for anybody who <laughs> right now listening wants to learn a little bit more about the scholarship foundation, where can they go? Yeah, it's at soulscholarship.com. So that's S-O-H scholarship.com. I want to move on and talk about your book. And I know you have humbly referred to it as a resource, but it's a book. It's on Amazon, my friend. So you have a book. You're an author. <laughs> I forgot to put it on there, right? <laughs> All right. And your book is titled How to Answer the 25 Toughest Job Interview Questions. Now, we won't go through all 25, but I am going to pick a couple that I'd like for you to talk about specifically. But before we even get there, what made you to decide to even write this book slash resource? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much decided to write it. I was actually writing it as I was going along, you know, through my, as I mentioned, when I was talking to career coaches and things like that. So, I mean, and they would help me. I was actually, you know, just documenting everything, just writing this stuff down, just pretty much putting down what they was telling me exactly what these jobs are looking for. So I just started documenting the process and I found that, you know, it was a lot of the same questions. These questions are very popular. So, and a lot of people 
really don't know how to answer it, especially recent graduates, because it's, it's not a lot of information out there for recent graduates. I mean, there are things out there, but if you do a YouTube search, you know, you'll see that most questions are based around those who have experience and things like that. You know, a lot of the recent graduates, they don't have experience. They don't really know exactly how to answer these questions. They don't know what the interviewer is looking for. So I just decided, you know, just type up a, a nice resource just so to give the college student at recent grad some guidance on their next job interview. So eventually it came about and it's much longer than I expected it to be, but <laughs> it's very good. I mean, you do a great job of starting people with, look, this is how you don't answer this question. Cause if you say these things, <laughs> yeah. you're like, you're out immediately. And then you give them, here's how you should answer the questions and the reasons why. But what I thought was very interesting was you actually have, for every question you have, here's your sample answer. Yeah. And so you kind of go, here's how you say it. You fill in the blank with your name, you know, and somebody could really take that as a blueprint. Yeah. And use it as an answer that they would give to one of these questions that they could be asked during an interview. I've never seen that before. I want to commend you on that. Something that's very valuable, I think, to people who, especially younger people who've not had a lot of experience interviewing. Exactly. So out of the 25 questions that you have, what would you say are the top two that you get asked the most? The top two. Well, one, of course, you will get this question asked regardless. It's not even the most. You will get this question 100 percent of the time. And that question is the last question, actually. Do you have any questions for me now? No. Now, Ryan, this is I just cannot explain. This is probably the most important part. I don't care what anyone says. It's the most important part of the job interview process. You know, a lot of people, they hear this question and they're like, okay, I'm done. Like, no, you're not done. This is your time to really shine. Is it wrong to say, no, I'm good. Thank you very much. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> um, bad, what's another word for bad? What's worse than bad? It's, it's that, <laughs> that's what it is. So, you, so okay. you should ask questions. I recommend asking three to five questions, six if you're brave like me. First question I ask is, what do you hope to see accomplished within this department within the next six months to a year? And how can this position help you get there? And I ask this question because it lets the employer know that you have plans on assisting the company in achieving its short-term goals. And this also lets the employer know that you're a team player and you're already thinking of ways, even though you haven't got the position yet, you're thinking of ways you can make a positive contribution to the company. I really want to emphasize this because what most people do is they ask questions for the sake of asking, you know, just so they can say, OK, I asked questions, so I'm good. No, you want to follow up with those questions. So going back to the first question, you know, what do you hope to see accomplished when the employer, they're going to sit there and tell you, okay, we hope to have this accomplished. Uh, we hope to have this, this position is going to get us here long-term. Okay. Listen closely because they're about to fill you in on those short-term goals. Once they tell you that you then jump in and let them know how you're the candidate that's going to help them get there based on the language they use. So they need someone who's dedicated, things like that, Give them examples and how you show that dedication and how you plan on helping that company reach their short term goals. So definitely the follow up after the question is definitely an important part that most candidates miss. And that's only only one of the questions. It gives you that opportunity then, I think, to I don't really like this term, but I'm going to use it. But it gives you that opportunity to kind of humble brag about yourself. Oh, yeah. Say, oh, yeah. Here's what I can do to help you. Yes, exactly. And you, you should never be scared to brag because there are 50 other candidates out there applying for that same position. And you've worked your tail off thus far to get to this point. So don't be afraid to brag about yourself. All of those accomplishments that you have, you worked super hard for them and you have the right to humble brag about it. Simply put. 
What's another one? What's another one of your top two? Let's go top three. What would be the next one you think would be the most commonly asked? Okay. See, the interviewer, they ask you, hey, so tell me about yourself. And this is, can be determined as a trick question. They're just really trying to see how you handle an open-ended question because that question is completely open-ended because tell me about yourself. Can You can talk about anything. So what they're looking to do is see how you handle an open-ended question. And so what you must do is keep your question focused. So I just want to talk about how to not answer it. So this is not an open invitation to talk about what you did when you were a kid, where you grew up, what you do on Saturday nights and things like that. You know, the interviewer, they actually don't care about any of that. And if you start talking about things that are irrelevant as pertaining to your candidacy for that job, you know, it's a good chance that you're probably going to spoil the first part of your interview. So when answering this question, it's important that you highlight a few things. You highlight your key strengths, your recent work experience, your accomplishments, and what you learned throughout your college experience or college matriculation, you know, since we're talking about college students. So you'll answer the question, yeah, throughout my college matriculation, I have had the opportunity to be involved in a number of social organizations such as this organization and this organization. Not only have I been a part of these organizations, but I've also held office positions in those organizations. I've learned valuable skills that I'm sure that your company will value, such as blank, blank, and blank. And of course, you want to do some research on the company, you know, prior to you do understand that you will be faced with challenges within this position that you're able to overcome those obstacles. And you just let the employer know that you feel as though your work experience, social organization involvement will allow you to, you know, complete the requirements of the job as efficiently and as timely as possible. So simply put, that question is just another way of saying, why are you here? You said something there that I want to touch on because while not exactly, well, it's not at all an interview question, (laughs) (laughs) but how important is job research in preparing for an interview? Oh man, it's completely important because it all comes down to knowing pretty much, you know, you've been putting in business terms, knowing your customer, you really have to dig deep and really know, you have to know who your customer is. So Let's jump back a bit when we were talking about, you know, developing a strong personal brand online and offline. You know, this kind of caveats off that as well. You know, now that you've developed your brand and simply put your value proposition, what you want others to know you for, you know, I feel as though now it's time to have sort of a value proposition shift or a flexible or three-dimensional value proposition in order to better relate to your customer, which would in this case would be the employer. You have to use really your past experiences in order to better relate with your customer. So because sometimes your main value proposition, you know, it can't be directly related to that customer. So sometimes it takes a little more. So sometimes I delay the main value proposition until the time is right. I'll use me for an example to clear things up. If you look at my LinkedIn profile, you will see that I primarily focus on entry level career coaching, helping college students and things like that. For instance, I had Maggie Mistel on my podcast. Ryan, you know Maggie. I know her from your podcast, actually. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. So she's an amazing career coach. You know, she's awesome. And I knew that I wanted Maggie on my podcast. Maggie was, quote unquote, my customer in this case. In your case, it would be the employer. I had to think, how could I better relate to my customer so that she would accept my request to come on the podcast? Because I know she's probably been pitched hundreds of times to do shows. I did some research on her and I found out that she was an accountant. And she sucked at numbers and she didn't like doing the work. Well, guess what, Ryan? Same thing for Davon. You know, I graduated with an accounting degree. I worked accounting. I sucked at numbers as well. And I didn't like the job. So what I did was I shift my value proposition 
And I made it focused on the fact that we, you know, we both hated accounting. And I made it more personal. When I reached out to Maggie, you know, I contacted her on the basis of us both being former accountants. And it was instantly relatable for the both of us. And it resulted in us conversing for the first time. It all goes back to knowing who your customer is, knowing who that employer is, doing your research on the employer and finding ways from your past experiences that you can better than relate to the customer, which in your case is the employer. And when you have that basis, you're really good to go. That is a very ingenious, innovative, maybe, maybe not <laughs> the word, but it's, I mean, it was a great way to find that connection between the two of you so that you could find some common ground exactly. uh, from which to start from. And I think what, you know, your point there is job research for a company is the same way. You got to know what interests that person. And if you know that you're going to capture their attention more quickly. Exactly. Simply put. I got just a few more questions and then we'll start to wrap up. But you talk about in your book slash resource <laughs> something called the STAR method. And this STAR method can be used when you're answering a certain type of question. Can you explain to the listeners what is the STAR method and the types of questions you can use it to answer? Yeah, yeah, Ryan. Thank you for going into this because, of course, I have the book, you know, that talks about the 25 most common interview questions. But the funny thing is that interviewers are starting to shy away from this sort of way of interviewing. You know, they're shying away from the common interview questions. You know, the tell me about your weakness, tell me about your strengths. They're, stop, they're not doing that. What they're doing is conducting what we call behavioral type interview questions. So in short, behavioral type interview questions are questions that they use your past experiences to dictate how you would handle a certain situation. So for an example, the question would be, tell me about the time you had to work with a difficult team member. Tell me about the time you had to work with a difficult boss. You know, when interviews ask questions like this, you know, it's not really cookie cutter answers you can give them. You know, you have to give an actual situation. This way, it allows them to really determine what your weaknesses are, you know, instead of you telling them. When answering these type questions, you have to use, you know, what we call the STAR method. So STAR is an acronym. The S and the T stands for situation or task. So you want to talk about what was the situation or task. So let's use the example. Tell me about the time you worked with a difficult team member. The first part, we want to talk about the situation or task. I was working alongside with the group. We had a group project. We had to conduct the financial analysis on this or whatever the case may be. The next thing you want to do is talk about the action. What action did you take? Did you talk to Sally? Did you just leave it alone? What actions did you take in order to rectify the situation? And the last acronym, the last letter of the acronym is result, R, result. What was the result of your action? When you talk to Sally, did she listen to you? Did she change her ways? You know, what exactly happened? So employers are really using the behavioral type interview questions to determine how you handle previous situations just to get a feel of how you work as an employee and what are your ways of leadership and things like that, which is a very, you know, very cool way to figure out how a candidate will really act in a certain situation instead of giving them the cookie cutter interview questions. I'm going to be honest. I have asked many behavioral questions of interview candidates in the past, and it really is a great way to understand a how those experiences they've had in the past, how they handled them, how they've resolved them, what the results were. Uh, but then also, as they're answering, you can start to try to get a feel for the fit of them within your own company. Exactly. So it's a very good way to really get a lot more than just an answer from a question. Exactly. And so the STAR method is situation, task, achievement, actions taken, and the result. Yep, exactly. 
Awesome. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the questions, and we've gone through quite a bit of stuff with the interview from researching to how to answer questions specifically, how to use the STAR method for behavioral interviews. So here is my last question about interviews, which is what do you feel is the best way to close out an interview? Okay, the best way to close out. Yeah, we, we've actually touched on this before, but I, I'm not going to go into detail. So you're going to ask your questions. And once you ask your questions, immediately get the card of the interviewer. Get the card because you're going to need the card whenever you go home and you want to send in your personalized thank you letter. So you're going to need that information. So what I recommend is you closing out by asking your questions. I recommend six, as I mentioned, and then getting the card of the interviewer. Ask about the process, you know, ask when can you expect to hear back? Ask about the next steps in the process, just so you have some guidance and just so you kind of know exactly what's going on. From there on, you know, there's very little you can do at that point, because at that time, they've probably made their decision whether or not you're going to move on to the next process or whether or not, you know, your resume is going to be looking at the bottom of a trash bin. At that point, you know, there's not much you can do. So just finish off your interview with those two things. I'm going to stay with this for one more question. Mm -hmm. In your interviews with the HR people and career coaches that you've talked to on your podcast, Secrets of the Hire, what's their recommendations for follow-up? Do you send handwritten notes? Is an email okay? Or do you do nothing? You know what, Ryan? I've been debating about this topic for a while. I interviewed for a finance position one time. I left that interview. I sent in no thank you notes. Actually, I didn't call them. Follow-up, I did nothing. After two weeks, they ended up offering me a job. And I've had positions in which I sent in personalized thank you notes. I sent in the thank you note to the receptionist, handwritten, the whole nine, and I didn't get hired. From the HR professionals that I spoke to, they always recommend you sending a thank you note. It doesn't have to be handwritten. You know, just send in that thank you note the following day, first thing in the morning, just so whenever that employer gets to the desk, they can see it, you know, follow up with that. Keep in mind, the HR professionals have a job as well. You know, sometimes they get caught up in work. So they recommend if you don't hear nothing within the week, give them a phone call, find out if you're still being considered. I've spoke to career professionals and they said they cannot stand when someone keeps on calling and just keeps on sending emails like it, it really ticks them off. So try not to do that. I asked that because I know I've seen it both ways, right? I've seen people not do anything, I've seen <laughs> do all kinds of stuff. And then I also know on the other side of the fence, I know people who love to get those types of things. Oh, yep. And then I actually know a couple people who, as soon as they get it, they don't like it at all. <laughs> and so they immediately dismiss the candidate. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's extreme. <laughs> Which is like, wow, I don't understand. They're just trying to be nice, but they don't view it that way. So I, I was just curious if you'd gotten any kind of insight from the people you've spoken to. But it sounds like it's really up to the interviewee and the vibe or feeling that they get from the people that they interview with. Yes. It's that last person that you leave that's ultimately going to do the decision. You know, you can send a thank you note, but that's not very sure that's going to really, oh, they sent in a thank you note. Let's hire them. You know, I mean, it's all about how you present yourself during the interview. That is what really matters. Davon, I think I could probably talk to you for another two, three hours on just on this topic because I find it very interesting and fascinating. But unfortunately, at some point, we do have to wrap up. Aww. 
So, and we have covered a lot of stuff today already. I think we've given the listeners a lot of stuff to digest and some really terrific answers or ways to answer specific questions. So I thank you for that. But for the listeners who want to learn more, they want to know more about you. They want to find out more about your podcast, your foundation, or they want to pick up your book. What is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. Um, you can just come over to secretsofthehire.com. That's where you'll find the blog and pretty much everything such as the podcast, things like that. I'm also on iTunes. You just go to Secrets of the Hire or if you type in job interview tips and something along those lines, you will see the nice, pretty orange square and you will see Secrets of the Hire in there. And they can also follow me on Twitter at Secret Hire. I'm also there, you know, engaging with the audience, you know, talking a lot about job interview tips and things like that. And lastly, the Scholarship Foundation can be found at SoulScholarship.com. That's S-O-H Scholarship.com. And we will be opening back up the funding for the Soul Scholarship. And, you know, um, I give away a lot of cool things to my donors. You know, you get wristbands, great certificates, T-shirts and things like that. So make sure you look out for that. Okay. And any final thoughts, words of wisdom, tips you'd like to pass on to anybody who's listening today? Yeah, just lastly, you know, for the college student, recent graduate out there, you know, guys, just go above and beyond. Even if you're a freshman in college right now, really do what it takes in order to set yourself up for success. You know, I remember I talked about me becoming a licensed commodities broker. You know, I mean, even though it had nothing to do with my career path and what I'm doing now, I was able to bring stuff like that up on interviews and really impress the employers because they know that I took out the time to do what it takes in order to set myself apart. So, you know, stay humble, set yourself apart and just go above and beyond in all instances and everything you do. Awesome. Well, I think you, Davon, are a living example of your answer just now. You are definitely going above and beyond in everything that I think you're doing. I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for coming on the brand new You Show. Hey, thanks a ton, Ryan. It was a pleasure. What does success look like for you? Do you know? Have you thought about it at all? Like many of us, Davon chose a major and went off to college. He graduated and was excited to start working in his chosen field. For many, this would be the definition of success, but not for Davon, as he quickly realized after entering the workforce as an accountant, the work was simply not for him. Sitting in his cube one day, he realized not only was he not using his degree, more importantly, he was not having any kind of impact on the world or making a difference of any kind. Do you ever wonder about these same things? What mark are you leaving on the world? Unlike many people, Davon decided it was better to do something about his situation rather than sit back and resign himself to meaningless work. So he got started and took action. And because he decided to just start, his actions not only led him to his dream job, but also inspired him to create the Secrets of the Higher website and podcast. As with most things in life, when you look back from where you are today, you'll discover the road that brought you to this point wasn't straight. Rather, it was usually a series of twists, turns, and forks in the road which required us to make some kind of decision. When examined, these twists and turns are usually born from either ideas or frustrations. In Davon's case, it was his frustration with the hiring process that inspired him to reach out to career coaches and other experts in the hiring field to seek answers to discover why he wasn't getting responses from companies. With every conversation and with each interaction, Davon was gaining valuable skills and knowledge. He was slowly becoming a subject matter expert on the secrets of the hiring process. Davon realized this, and because of his giving nature, he wanted to share his knowledge and expertise with others in order to prevent them from going through the same experiences he did. 
This is why he created the Secrets of the Higher podcast and website, to share his knowledge with others. But he didn't stop there. Going above and beyond, Davon decided to give back at an even higher level and created the Secrets of the Higher Scholarship Foundation, which he uses to help current college students overcome challenging financial situations. But Davon didn't just stop with a website, a podcast, and a scholarship fund. He decided to turn his knowledge and passion into a product, a book, or a resource, as he humbly refers to it. The content in his book all came from the knowledge he gained during his job search process and by reaching out to other experts looking for help and guidance. Now, while the bulk of our interview today was centered around the secrets of the hire and how to answer tough interview questions, Davon actually exemplifies what many people are starting to understand. You can use your subject matter expertise to turn your knowledge into products. Turning your knowledge into a product enables you to reach a larger audience to help others who otherwise may never get the chance to hear you. So whether you're answering the 25 toughest job interview questions or you're a closet beekeeper, the opportunity to go above and beyond is all around you if you approach life with an abundance mindset and like Davon did, you take action. Because he decided to act to share his knowledge, he is now helping countless other people discover the secrets of the hire. Davon, thank you once again for being on the show today and generously sharing your knowledge and expertise with us. And for you, the BNY listeners, as always, thank you for your time and for your reviews on iTunes. They inspire me to continue sharing my knowledge and expertise with you each and every week. Now, I have a challenge for you over the coming week. I challenge you to review your passions and the knowledge you've gained throughout your career and ask yourself, can you make an impact on the world by sharing your knowledge, by helping others with your subject matter expertise? If so, you owe it not just to yourself, but to the world to share it with others. You are an expert at something to other people. Find out what that is and share it. So until next week, I've been Ryan and I'm out. Today's show was brought to you by the Midwest Mastermind. Check out MidwestMastermind.com to learn more. The brand new You Show is produced and edited by Ryan Roden. And the intro and outro music is Pulse by Soundroad.